Tensions in the band were running high by 1978, especially in regards to Holger. General vibe from all I've read is that the band was being steered in one direction, while Holger was paddling off alone in another. The band became ever more focused on the rhythmic attack of Rebop and Yaki, but Holger was adding elements that often didn't fit. He was looking for the happy accidents, the magic but fleeting moments they'd try to capture in the past. However, with the balance being shifted towards a tighter unit, Holger found himself being pushed out. He had a hard time in particular getting along with Rebop, who basically saw him as a fool who was just messing around. Rebop wasn't the only one who was annoyed with Holger, but Ermin was always there to help mediate the conflicts. But even he stopped sticking up for Holger. It was likely due to Holger telling Ermin's wife and band manager Hildegard that Ermin had been having an affair with Michael's ex-girlfriend. Such things are never good for band chemistry, but it's hard to blame that completely on Holger. One night on tour, in frustration, Rebop walked over to Holger's electronic setup and ripped his equipment out from the wall, sparking a violent fight, with Holger ultimately leaving the band. After what was, in the end, their final tour, the remnants of the group convened and recorded a fair contender for the worst album ever made, 1978's Out of Reach. It was so bad, the band had disowned it for a while. It wasn't remastered until 2014, unlike the rest of their discography, which got touched up in 1989. It features lead vocals by Roscoe and Rebop, who seem to look at Malcolm Mooney for inspiration. Maybe they thought that what makes a good can singer is nursery rhymes or singing out of key. Rebop's lead vocal on Likey Nobe God was so terrible, he was thankfully not allowed to sing again. A review from Pitchfork sums this album up best. Out of Reach is an inspiration. Knowing that the godlike musical force that recorded the Tagomago, Egebom Yase, Future Days Troika could, only a few short years later, sink to this level of awfulness makes anything seem possible. Perhaps our lives are in constant state of flux, and any one of us might turn out to be a hero or a murderer. An exciting prospect, if you think about it. In lieu of forcing some bad tracks from this album onto you, our playlist will instead feature a reminder of how far the band has fallen. Here's a non-album single from When Can Was Actually Good, Turtles Have Short Legs from 1971. And because Christmas is almost upon us, our other selection is their version of Silent Night. Because really, the prospect of Can doing Christmas music is still less frightening than having to listen to Out of Reach again. Are you still here? That's good. Because Patience deserves rewards. Their 1979 self-titled album is much better than the previous one. And not just because the last one was a steaming pile, because it was actually pretty good. The band seems to have found their ability to lay down quality grooves again. Much of this may be helped by the return of Holger, at least as an editor. Sure, we're still in space disco land, but it's cool space disco. I can't help but feel there's been some influence from their fellow German, guitarist Michael Rother, with whom Yaki had been playing a lot around this time. It's especially evident on the lead track, All Gates Open. This album also has one of the all-time best can jams, A Spectacle, whose groove should be familiar to Q-Tip fans. 
It was recorded as the theme song to a German television program called Ospekte. Still, it wouldn't be a late-era Can album without one turd in the punch bowl. On this one, it's Can Can. And if you're wondering, is Can Can that Can Can? Yes. Can prove with Can Can that the Can Can is not something Can Can. They even released it as a single. Oof. Can, or Inner Space as it's often called, is a mostly wonderful end to a wild career. Can disbanded with a whimper. There was no big breakup or fight. There was no press release. The band just ceased to be. Not long after they broke up, John Lydon had reached out, wishing to join Can as their singer after the demise of the Sex Pistols, but there was no band to join. Instead, he formed one of the first of the post-punk groups to carry Can's torch, Public Image Limited. Seriously, after listening to all this Can, go and listen to some of the early post-punk, especially Metalbox, and tell me that those bands weren't trying to make their own version of Can. Around the same time, Marky Smith reached out, hoping to get some Can the Fall supergroup on stage. But this was also not to be. Legend has it that our host Nick still cries himself to sleep over this missed opportunity. Most of the band embarked on healthy solo careers, except for Rebop who passed away from a heart attack on stage in 1983. Holger expanded on his tape experiments. Yaki, who'd become a hot commodity, played with a wide variety of musicians. Ehrman created a pile of film soundtracks, many of which featured former CAN members. But despite their success, Nobody would fully escape the shadow of their towering work with Can, and that shadow would only grow bigger with each passing year. I bet you're asking yourself, why is Aaron still talking? Didn't he just say that the band broke up, but here he is introducing more music? Well, our story isn't completely done yet. We need to fast forward to 1986. A film producer, George Reinhardt, was looking to sponsor a new work by the defunct Can. Hildegard helped all the guys get back together at Michael's home studio in France, and she decided to enlist an unlikely fifth man. Coincidentally, that fifth man was also looking to record with Can. The two apparently sent letters to each other, independently of the other, Clearly, it was fate, so one day, who would arrive in France, but none other than our old friend, Mr. Malcolm Mooney. The sessions were apparently relaxed and fun, by Can standards. There were fights, of course. Can always had fights. The band has said it felt more like a vacation than a recording session. Holger would edit it all with no real urgency, and right time, as it came to be called, didn't see release until 1989. The interviews make it seem as if the band was looking to reinvent themselves, to become groundbreaking again, but they just didn't. Michael has said, it was the wrong time. Ehrman has said about the album that it's okay. And yours truly, your narrator through this exploration of Cannes' catalog, says it's pretty terrible, with some interesting moments. So this is the end of our story. The band would never fully reunite again, though they'd continue to help on each other's projects. Even Damo started performing again, but we won't focus on that. Can 
would never play again. Michael passed away in 2001, followed by Holger and Yaki in 2017, leaving only Ermin Schmidt, the core four, still alive. I hope you've enjoyed my exploration of the wild world of Can. I may not have written the book on them, but I did read it. Some fans might rightly point out that we did not in fact cover everything. I highly recommend the Outtakes album Unlimited Edition, which is considered canon by many, and as a coda to our coda. In 2012, a museum decided to buy the old cinema come recording studio of Inner Space. Inside they found cupboards filled with old tape reels. They contacted Ermin Schmidt, and what they found was 50 hours of forgotten recordings. These weren't just demos and scraps, but completely finished tracks that they'd just forgotten to release. Ermin edited it all down to the three-disc Lost Tapes compilation, much of which is as good as anything on the albums. Despite how little of the 50 hours saw the light of day, Ermin has said that there's absolutely nothing left of value that they could release.